Hello, everyone. Welcome to another riveting episode of Brown Eyed Unicorn. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, I hope you're all having a great day, whether you're by yourself doing some self-care or having a Palentine's Day with some friends or hanging out with your SO. I hope you have a super fun day of love, light, and self-care. I also hope that you all enjoyed the episode with Jake. I had a great time doing it. So thanks for tuning in and thank you again for sending in questions for that. Um... God, it's been a lovely and wonderful week in pop culture. First and foremost, I'm reading Jessica Simpson's book, Open Book, and I'm obsessed with it. If you don't have your hands on a copy yet, get your hands on a copy. She goes into so much detail about her life. I'm not even 200 fucking pages in out of the 400 pages there are, and she's already given me so much. I loved Newlyweds growing up, like truly, truly lived and died for it, but like this book makes me into, like, a full-blown Jessica fan. And, like, granted, I'm a huge fan of Danny Pellegrino's Jessica Thursdays, obviously, but, like, this just made me want to, like, give her a hug, and I just respect her on, like, a whole new level now. So get this book, read about the tea, she spills the tea, and enjoy. And then DM me when you do because I need to talk about this with people. I also need to finish it, and this week's been so busy, and I just want to sit and read, which is – I'm not as much of a reader as I want to be. So to be like, I just want to sit and cozy up with my book is like a big fucking deal. Um, Also, we got the Real Housewives of New York trailer this week. Big news. Exciting news. I was thrilled. Um, Let's see. Highlights for me. Dorinda's giant wine glass. She's like, let's all just have a glass of wine. I loved that. I mean, this show is always high comedy, like 100% of the time. And I know we're all a little sad and worried about Bethany not being there, but I really think it's going to be fine. I think Leah shows a lot of promise already. Um, also, Sonia is doing the most and doing the best in this trailer and always. Um, there were a couple moments in the trailer that stood out to me. First of all, Sonia French kissing her dog. It's a mood. It's a vibe. I have been there with Jake's dog many times. Um, <laughs> And then Sonia holding her gourds to her ears is me. I mean, I love, I can't wait to see that scene because I'm like, what the fuck is everyone talking about that Sonia feels the needs to plug, feels the need to plug her ears with two gourds at a dinner table. Tinsley's screaming in a cornfield is also a mood and a vibe and kind of reminds me of my entire um, emotional arc throughout college, just screaming in a cornfield in Illinois. But yeah. Overall, I think, oh, we also saw Dale, Tinsley's mom, and I'm obsessed with Dale Mercer ever since High Society, so I just, it the whole season shows a lot of promise, even without Bethany, and I just cannot wait for it to come back. Like, my favorite time of year on Bravo is when all at once we have Vanderpump Rules, Summer House, and Real Housewives of New York on. Like, oh, uh, it's like every almost every day I have something to look forward to as far as catching up with TV shows and then when like the bachelorette's on at the same time it's like my reality TV heaven um that being said let's get into the bachelor I don't have a lot to say because I'm honestly kind of enraged with how this season is going I think it is like just week by week by week it just gets increasingly more frustrating um to watch I feel like Pete is just a fucking mess. He does not know what he wants. And honestly, it really pisses me off that any woman on this show who held him to any sort of standard, had any sort of opinion that wasn't just like, I could see myself falling in love with you, got punished and sent home. Like, I just, 
I just, it really pisses me off. And like, it is the most underwhelming top four of all time. It's a bunch of sexualized babies in the top four. And I say this all the time, but they literally look like the hottest girl in your eighth grade class. All of them. Um, Again, watching the producers scramble to try and give these women personalities. And then you have Natasha, who's like beauty and grace and has no problem like telling Peter when he like is being a dick. She gets sent home this week, by the way, which frustrated me at first. But then I was like, no, honestly, because Natasha is above this entire situation and she deserves to be free from the fickle clutches of pilot Pete and out in the world where she can find someone who's going to treat her like the queen she is. I really liked when she was like, I hope he finds love because I know I'm gonna like the confidence and grace with which she left. I was like, you go get the fuck out of here. Um, I'm also just so over the virgin storylines, like very much over it. I like, Oh, I'm Madison. I'm a virgin. I don't really care. Like between Colton. And then we have like Hannah. I know that like the target demographic for the bachelor is like Christians, I guess in the Midwest. I don't even know I I don't know what the demographic is to be honest but I feel like they're constantly pandering to a very specific demographic and I'm just like okay this is so played out like I'm over it I I I don't care who's a virgin and who's not I really don't I really don't care and honestly I don't give a fuck what happens in the fantasy suites because Peter's a fucking dud and has disappointed us all can you hear how heated I am you guys I'm pissed off I'm over it also Last week, I finished the episode because I think last week when I talked about The Bachelor, I was like, sorry, guys, I still have like 20 minutes left. Um, Last week, I just want to say justice for Tammy. Like, I know that I said last week, like, oh, my God, she's like a full-blown villain by the end of the episode. But to be honest, watching McKenna like sit on that couch and be like, I am proud of the woman that I am. McKenna is like a swirly cursive font, but a person like loves a live laugh love sign loves you know I don't know like a wooden plank that says love lives here like over a fireplace like that's McKenna's entire vibe and for that to like piss off Tammy and annoy her makes perfect sense to me I mean McKenna was literally just speaking in like dumb Pinterest quotes like at the end when she I love oh my god I will say, justice for Tammy, I lived for the fact that McKenna was so smug when she got to stay and Tammy was asked to leave. And then she got sent home like 10 minutes later. (laughs) I lived for her disappointment. And she was like, I am a strong and beautiful woman. And I am walking out of here with my head held high. I'm like, bye, McKenna. Bye. I will say I'm hoping for more of her shenanigans and Pinterest quotes in paradise. Um, And honestly, I'm hoping for Tammy to be in paradise because she's hot and sassy. And I, I honestly team Tammy all day, every day, all night. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to say I'm excited to see how the season ends, but I'm not because I know it's just going to piss me off. The one reason I am excited is because we keep getting that really like TBD clip of Peter's mom being like, bring her home to us bring her home and I just want to know like why is Peter's mom so emotional why is she so lit who does she I can't stop laughing because that clip is so TBD um I just want to know who the fuck she's talking about so and I've, I've tried to look up spoilers like I've tried to get off the ride but not even reality Steve has them so despite not really giving a fuck about like which of these clowns Peter also a clown decides to pick I will be tuning in because I need to know what leads Peter's mom to be in that state and like 
how all this bullshit ends. Otherwise, I feel like all of my suffering watching this show the past couple weeks will be for nothing. You know what I mean? Um, Vanderpump Rules. Lots happened in Vanderpump Rules this week. We had the return of Raquel and DJ James Kennedy. Um, so much good stuff. We had Sheena being a diva about Dana, which was funny just her being like i'm not jealous i'm not jealous i'm not jealous i'm not jealous like saying it a million times and like crying also brett trying to impart any sort of wisdom is hilarious to me to sheena or anyone else i'm like brett just stop stop ariana talked about her depression again which was dope um we did have some really dark shots of the house and the apartment and Ariana took to Instagram to be like, I never lived in the apartment when it looked like that. That was disgusting. Um, but I think it's important for people to talk about mental health all the time. So I was happy that Ariana had more time to talk about that on camera and hopefully this time people won't focus on like the length of her hair. Um, and she did mention how lack of routine is like terrible for depression. And I just want to say I have had my own experiences with depression and it is true. Like a lack of routine is like a fucking nightmare and trying to self motivate to like feel like you have some sense of purpose when you're depressed is so, so hard. Um, so shout out to anyone who's dealing with depression right now. I didn't plan to get on like a mental health soapbox, but it was just like, I was triggered when she talked about just like, staying in bed for days and days and days um so just a friendly reminder you know depression it can get better it will get better there's always another side to it and I'm thinking of any and all of you who are struggling with it because I know I have and thank you to Ariana for bringing that up on camera um I also want to say Raquel this entire episode did so much with so little um you know she was in her pride costume where she looked like she was dressed like a minion as like a hot girl in college with like the pigtails and the goggles and the little shorts um she did her little pageant wave she just like missed work for no reason because she just wanted to like go rage she didn't even miss work to go see james's set which would be a dumb enough reason she just like missed work period because she like wanted to party which i thought was so funny um I was so happy to see James this episode. I was not happy with the way he talked to Raquel. That was extremely dark. And he, we find out he was not sober at this point in time. Not to make excuses for it, but, like, what alcohol does to that man is really dark. Um, so I'm happy to hear that he's in a better place now. But I will also say, comedically, James did bring the lols this first week back. I love when he does his American accent. And when he mocks Katie, it is just, like, truly iconic. Really when he mocks anybody. Um, and his white Kanye robe was, like, so extra and ridiculous. I just, he makes me laugh. I'm happy to see him on my TV. Um, Dana not being able to get her hair done for Pride is so deeply fucked up. Like, if I'm expecting to be beautified, whether it's, like, I'm going to get my hair done for this thing or I'm going to get a spray tan or I'm going to get my makeup done, and it falls through because some other girl, like, trolls me because she can't handle having me there, like, that... I would lose my shit and Dana like handled it way better than I would have. I would have been so mad if I had like, cause you know, if I'm planning on getting my hair done, there's like a mood board of inspiration images, you know, it's like a high pony and extensions and a thing. Like, honestly, I probably would have gotten my hair done like Sheena's. And so for Dana to like have that on the books and then have her be like, actually, no, sorry. <laughs> See you at pride rainbow emoji. I would have lost my mind. So good for her for keeping her shit together. Um, Danica in this episode, oh, yes, being Danica in this episode is my true nightmare. Like, can you imagine anything worse than having to manage Sir by yourself on Pride, having, like, 
bartenders drop out left, right, and center, and Raquel just, like, thinking that work is optional because it's pride, like, truly insanity. I thought Danica handled it like a champ. I would have had a full-on panic attack and started crying and yelling at everyone I could, everyone in my vicinity. Um, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Jack's being a dick about helping at the bar sent me into a blind rage, but what a shock. Nothing shocking there. Um... Also, Jack's being shady to Dana also sent me into a blind rage, being like, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, she's pretty, but, like, she's not hot. But, like, I'm not into blondes, you know? I'm just not into blondes. I'm like, Jax, y- you know, you're looking good this season, but let's not pretend like you haven't had your moments in time where you looked like a sweaty T-Rex, okay? So for you to come for stunning Dana for her looks is just, like, wild. It's wild. For him to come, I mean, honestly, for anyone to come to come at anyone about their looks is like fucked up in my opinion. Um, although I do have no problem saying that Jax has looked like a sweaty T-Rex before. Um, but I love Bravo for trolling Jax and just being like, um, you do like blondes. And then like compiling like a short montage of all the times he's tried to fuck or has fucked blondes. Um, the way James spoke to Raquel, oh no, I already talked about that. Just, I made a note. The way James spoke to our favorite fembot, Raquel, was so, so not okay. And she also, I did make this note, Raquel said nothing about it. She like didn't defend herself. She's like, it's okay. I'm sorry I couldn't be at your set. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, come on. That's not okay. Like, that's not okay. Ugh. I hope they're in a better place now and he doesn't speak to her like that ever again. Um, also, Katie, like, the second she sees James starts poking at him by, like, you know, and she just, like, she she taunts him all the time. And I'm just, like, it was such an eye roll for me. I was, like, Katie, can you ever just not, like, can you just keep your fucking snarky comments to yourself just one time? Um, Sheena singing Good as Gold was amazing comedic content. And... I appreciated the gusto and confidence with which she did that. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that that well if I was hammered. I probably would have fallen off the bar, to be honest. I love how Sheena singing Good as Gold will never die. I want her to be, like, 75 years old in a crop top, standing on the bar at Sir, singing Good as Gold, like, with a cane. Like, I want her to do it until the end of time. I will never get sick of it. Um, Let's see. Also, I thought the scene with Sheena and Dana was entertaining. Um, I will say, like, yeah, Sheena saying she's not jealous is just really funny to me because when she was listing all the reasons she had an issue with Dana, I was like, okay, so you are jealous. She's like, you know, you're just, like, coming in here and, like, hanging out with all my friends. Then, like, you're hooking up with Max. And then you, like, work at my job. And then you're like, and it's like, so you're jealous. It's fine. Just own it. Um, Dana was assertive in a way that I really admired. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. 2020 is my year of being better about being assertive. Um, and so I appreciated the way she approached the situation and didn't get emotional, but still like definitely called Sheena out. Sheena, you know, took a couple puffs of her inhaler, calmed down, and then they reached a good place together. I was honestly, it was like, I expected that fight to escalate more, but they were like, okay, we're cool. We're cool. And I was like, you go girls. Good job. Good fucking job. Um, I feel like this episode didn't really have a ton of drama, but people are ripping apart Vanderpump Rules on social media, like, just being like, this season's boring, it's a dud. I'm having fun watching it, honestly. And, like, we also have Summer House back. So it's like, there isn't as much resting on the VPR shoulders as there have been previous years, because Summer House also delivers. So, you know, having both of those shows in my rotation, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. I'm really enjoying it. 
Okay, before we get into Real Housewives of New Jersey, I just need to plug my favorite company, Totally Good Time. Totally Good Time is an amazing website that makes adorable pop culture merch and clothing. I have um, amazing items from there. Like, everything is so soft. Everything is so, like, cozy, and it fits well. It hangs well. It You can dress it up, dress it down, and truly... Um, the owner of Totally Good Time, Kyle, is the sweetest guy ever, and he comes up with the most clever designs, and he literally references, like, everything in pop culture that you would want on a shirt. He has, like, merch that's, like, from the TV show You. He has merch from Real Housewives and other Bravo shows. He has merch from, like, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow, today, when you're listening to this Valentine's Day, he just dropped a new line of Meg Ryan merch. Yeah, Meg Ryan merch. So, Honestly, if you're a pop culture lover, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, you need to head to Totally Good Time and check his shit out because I'm obsessed. Um, Use my code Hannah20 at checkout for 20% off. Yes. Hannah20 at checkout gets you 20% off all your merch at Totally Good Time. So head to Totally Good Time. Pick something out for yourself. It's, it's, I mean, it's Valentine's Day. Like, treat yourself. Or it's Palentine's Day. Get a gift for your friend. Hannah20 at checkout. Totally Good Time. Happy fucking shopping. Okay. That being said, let's get into this week's episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. So we have scenes from last week, and we see Teresa being like, how's it going to be when we go to the shore? And then we open on Margaret asking Marlene for a little coffee, a gel what's a little pastry. And then we see Jackie's son Hudson coming up with a restaurant, restaurant idea called Hudson's Cooler, where everything is served cold. Then we zoom in zero in on Teresa who is in a full-fledged frenzy in her house as as everyone's getting ready for Gia's prom so Teresa's like running around decorating the house being like Melania get the champagne oh let's put the air conditioning on the decorations oh my god like oh my god it looks so pretty outside oh my god look at the decorations outside and um then she talks about how she missed Gia's eighth grade prom because she was away and then Joe calls this is a free call from Joe And Gia's on the phone. She's like, hey, Dad, how are you? Mom is like Godzilla. She's like a psycho. And Teresa's like, Melania, get dressed. And Melania's like, Mom, stop. You're driving me insane. Nona looks dapper in a white polo. And Gia's like, Nona, where'd that shirt come from? And he's like, I go by. And then um, Teresa is, like, freaking out, trying to put pastries on a plate. I think I already said that. Um, And then Gia's chatting with Joe, and he says he misses her. And then he's like, well, I love yous. And then they hang up. Joe and Melissa Gorga show up with flowers for Gia, and Gia immediately bursts into tears. And I love Gia for so many reasons, but one of those reasons is that we're both criers, and I live for the fact that Gia and I have no problem, you know, weeping in a moment of emotion. Meanwhile, at Dolores' house, Frankie is getting ready, and Dolores is like, Frankie, come on, it's getting late. And he comes in, and she's like, oh, my God, little Frankie. And Dolores admits that Gia is the perfect girl for Frankie. And Dolores is like, you know, like, I'm so Italian, like, because I know her mother, I know the family, I know the kind of girl she is. Frankie and Gia are the future Tony and Tina of Tony and Tina's wedding. Um, Frankie, or I'm sorry, Frank Catania shows up at Teresa's. And then Joe, Melissa, and Frank are talking about going to the shore, and we get a very slippery clip of Melissa and Joe Joe Gorga gyrating in 2011 at the Jersey Shore, which I really appreciated. Thank you to the editors for that one. 
Melissa throws shade at Jen and thinks that Jen may not like the Jersey Shore because it's not like bougie enough for her. And then meanwhile at Jennifer's, we see Jennifer trying to pick out an outfit for her brother Steven's fundraiser. And Bill comes in. He's like, honey, I'm home. And he can't go to the event because he's on call. But Jennifer is bringing Gabby to the the event because, um, you know, Gabby was bullied. And she wants Gabby to see how far her uncle Steven has come from being bullied as a kid. And I was just happy that Gabby was going to be in this episode because I miss her. I think she's adorable. Bill and Jen then discuss how Joe's comment about their lack of sex was super inappropriate last week and how it deserves an apology. Then meanwhile, at Teresa's, Joe is laughing at the sex joke, and he's like, I don't know, like, it just, I, I, it's what I think. I don't think it's a big deal. Then Frankie and Dolores arrive, and we see a montage of Gia being iconic. We see her song from 2011 when she's like, Wake up in the morning, thinking about so many things, and just weird things will get better. It's not funny. It's actually really sad. And even in 2011, as a small child, she was, like, crying as she was singing. I love that she's a crier. I cry, like, every day. Um, So we see a montage of Gia being iconic, and Teresa is just so proud of who she's become, despite everything she's been through at such a young age. And this really warmed my heart. And I just want to say also that Gia looked like Cinderella in that light blue dress. She looked stunning. I lived. I died. I lived again. Um, Also... I will say that walking down the stairs in front of a group of adults is my nightmare. And Gia handled it with grace. Like, I get stressed out opening, like, a birthday present in front of people. Like, I don't like ever being like, oh, wow, ow. Something about, like, when it's, like, a group of grown-ups. Even though I'm 28 years old, sometimes when I'm with, like, the adults in my family, I still feel like, oh, my God, I'm with the grown-ups. And I get really overwhelmed by their energy sometimes. So I'm, like seeing Gia have to walk down the stairs and having all these adults be like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Just like stressed me out. Then Frankie's like, oh my God, Gia, you look so gorgeous. Oh my God. And that was really cute. And Teresa's like, you look beautiful. And then Nono like fully weeps. And this whole scene was really, really cute. Um, The kids head to prom. And then we see Gabby and Jennifer arriving at Steven's fundraiser. Um, Steven's immediately talking about Sweeney Todd and I'm fully obsessed with him. He's just so into musical theater. Um, and just the way that Gabby looks at her uncle, this entire scene was just so touching and so sweet. You can just see how proud she is of him and how much she looks up to him. Um, Jennifer's sister, brother, and mom also arrive at the event. And I also want to say the event was at Tao and the food looked bomb. Like everyone was eating like sushi and egg rolls the entire scene. And I just wanted to like go into my TV and hang out with Steven and eat sushi. It looked like a blast. We find out that growing up, no one ever came to Steven's shows. And Jen talks about how over time, her family has gotten to a place where they don't miss anyone's events. So I'm happy they've gotten to that place together. Steven makes a really adorable speech about his involvement in the Long Island Theater Festival. He's the artistic director, um, which gives kids an opportunity to find out who they are through performance. And he then accompanies Broadway star Caroline Bowman, Um, who sings a song, and she's backed up by all the students. Um, Listening to the kids sing and watching the kids sing reminded me of my own high school choir journey. And um, I, I loved choir in high school, but to be honest, I really only did it because I thought that that was my way of getting into the musical, and I did it for two years and only got into the musical one year. My favorite part of choir was probably that at concerts, when we were wearing, like, our long choral robes, you got to wear, like, hoey heels on stage. And I remember, like, 
I tried to wear like the highest heels I could under my robe. But then when I realized after like the first concert we did that I had to stand and sing the whole time and like walk on stage, there was just like too much margin for error. Like what if I passed out? What if I slipped? What if my foot fell out of my pump? You know what I mean? But I did like pushing the envelope with like how sexy can I make this choir robe based on my footwear choice? I also was thinking recently not to go on a detour, but here I go. You know how a few weeks ago I told you guys about my really shitty fifth grade presidential speeches? I was at work and I had this thought about eighth grade and how I sang a song in the middle of class. And it was, to this day, one of the most mortifying things I've ever voluntarily done. I was, like, thinking to myself, in eighth grade, we were asked to, like, write a song or like a poem or something about like a specific it was in social studies class and it was like write a song about or write something about this moment in history so I decided I'm going to write a song to the full house theme about like some historical figure and he's like would anyone like to share theirs with the class and like my eighth grade teacher he was one of those guys who was like a dad but really liked the popular kids like really wanted to be cool like wanted to be one of the cool popular kids and I'm like okay so you were like popular and rich growing up and now that you're a junior high teacher you support the other popular rich kids like it was kind of weird honestly um but I wanted to be cool and I wanted to be involved and since he was the cool teacher I wanted him to think that I was you know like a really good student so I was like I'm gonna share my song with the class so I sing this song that I wrote to the full house theme, being like, and I'm singing it, and I'm like, everywhere you look. I finish my song, and he's like, wow, that was that was great, Hannah. Sorry, what's that? What's that song from? And I'm like, it's the full house theme. <laughs> And no one thought it was cool. And I was, like, thinking about this at work the other day. And I was like, did I learn nothing from my fifth grade presidential speech when I wrote a song to Bootalicious? Like, why? Why do I have to make the same mistake, like, 75 times to learn not to fucking do it? Not to do it. Ugh, I'm haunted by my junior high and high school self every day. But So this scene was a little triggering for me, watching those children sing. But they did a beautiful job. Um that took me on a journey. I need to center myself. Okay, but more importantly, much more important than my weird junior high singing journey um, and high school singing journey is that in this scene, Jen's mom cried and said she's happy. She was proud of Steven. And I fully cried in this scene too. I was so, so touched. She like kisses Steven and just tells him she's proud of him and that no matter what, she'll be there for him. And Steven's just such a sweetie, and this scene just warmed my heart. I loved it. We cut to Teresa getting coffee, and she's like, excuse me, do you have, like, a rag right here? Like, it's kind of gross. And she makes someone wipe down the table. And then we see Danielle breeze through the door, which was a shocking turn of events that I was not expecting. And she's like, oh, hi, Teresa. And they each order an avocado toast, and they catch up. And Teresa talks about how hectic it's been with her daughters and Joe hanging out with the other girls who, you know, hate Danielle. She's just like, yeah, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. It's been hectic with my, do hectic with my daughters and Joe and, you know, the other girls. And she talks about how Gia needs Joe. And then Teresa does a wellness check on Danielle and Marty. And Danielle's like, he and I are doing very well. And Teresa drops egg yolk on her top. And then she fills Danielle 
in on the whole Hamptons trip. I'm sorry, the Jersey Shore trip. Oh, wait, no. The Hamptons trip. She fills Danielle in on the drama from the Hamptons trip. And then she talks about how, you know, they've let things go as a group. And Danielle's like, well, you know, I've never asked you to pick a side, but Margaret has. And Teresa tells Danielle that they were all invited to the Jersey Shore by Dolores. And Danielle's like, really? Seems no one's invited me. You know, I'm actually going to be down at the shore anyway. So, which sounds like a threat. I'm like, oh, God, Danielle is totally going to crash this vacation. Um, Teresa's like, well, you know, sure. But like any time you, you and Margaret are in the room together, it's like toxic. And Danielle's like, well, sure. But what did I do to Melissa? She's basically just like, you know, I used to be invited to Melissa's birthday parties. And now I never hear from her anymore. And she's like, I'm going to hold out hope that Melissa and I could work our way back towards something. And Charissa, also, Danielle is really hard to do a good impression of. And if you don't listen to a Sex Unique podcast, you need to because Laura and Carrie O'Donnell do the best Danielle impression. And I can only be so lucky to even scratch the surface on their Danielle impression because she's really hard to do well and they both kill it every week. Um, then Charissa says she doesn't know if it'll work out between Danielle and Charissa, but she definitely thinks it's like worth a try for Danielle to have a sit down with her. Then we return to the new house and Dolores and David are the new house that Dolores and David are building. And Dolores is meeting with her decorator, Sam, to, you know, find some tile and chic furniture on a budget. And David comes in immediately looking miserable, being like, Dolores. And David really wants a table. And Dolores is like, not about the table. And Sam like wants a slate gray sofa and crushed velvet by the fireplace. He wants two of them. And David's just immediately like unhappy and I'm like wow shocking David you're usually such a beacon of positivity and brightness not he's just like Dolores 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 and she's like basically just against all of David's furniture she's like we're not taking his bed we're not taking his couch you know he's gonna ruin this house with all that furniture and Sam the decorator promises mood boards with options and he leads in his chic white jeans and loafers so then Dolores and David are left alone and they talk yet again about a commitment or lack thereof. And Dolores is like, well, you know, it's scary to pick all this out if a commitment doesn't happen. And he's like, Dolores, one thing at a time. Clean your plate. And he reveals that he can't come to the shore because he's on call because he's a fucking Debbie Downer all the time. And Dolores talks about how her daughter Gabrielle is nervous and concerned for her. And Dolores is like, I don't want to build myself up for a fool. And David's like, well, why would I build this house if it wasn't a commitment? So he just like has this way of sort of sidestepping all of her questions. And he basically is like, I love you, Dolores. You've got to relax, which is infuriating. I fucking hate being told to like chill out or relax. And she's just like, okay. Um, he says he's giving her a commitment to furniture and they laugh about it. And that's how the scene ends. And I was like, oh, I, I don't like this relationship. I do not support it. Meanwhile, we cut to Teresa packing for the shore. She wants to bring a teeny tiny leopard bikini, and Melania is deeply disturbed. She's like, that barely covers your ass. Frank is packing for the shore, and Dolores is shook by his turquoise color palette with his swim trunks. We find out Jackie's husband, Evan, is actually going to be there the second night, so he has to miss the first night. And then Jennifer is packing and says she doesn't want to apologize to anybody. And Bill is just so over it at this point. He just looks bored. He's like, well, let's try and have fun. And Jen then says that she got a T-shirt made that said, sorry, not sorry. And I was like, really mature, Jen. She's like, I don't have anyone to apologize to, but look what I got made. 
I think I've already said this on this show before years ago, but I used to wear this shirt to Hebrew school that said, you got a problem from limited Two. it said, you got a problem in glitter. And it was because I used to get bullied at Hebrew school by the kids from the other junior high. And <laughs> I really don't try to make my life into a sob story. It's just like taking a lot to get to this point. Um, so I thought I pulled a gen in junior high. I thought my way of dealing with like the mean kids at Hebrew school was to passive aggressively wear a shirt that said you got a problem every time I went to Hebrew school. But looking back, I'm like, Hannah, they probably thought you had like no clothes. And like that shirt probably smelled bad because God knows if you washed it. Like I had Hebrew school multiple times a week. So like I don't even know if I washed it in between classes. God, all these good ideas I thought I had in junior high in hindsight were terrible ideas. So I saw this t-shirt. I was triggered and I was like, Jen, not a good idea to pass progressively wear a t-shirt. Take it from fucking me. We returned to everyone heading to the shore. And the energy of this scene looked really fun. Like everyone like getting their bags and putting them in the cars and getting ready to drive together. I was sad I wasn't going on the vacation. And obviously if I was going on the vacation, I would have wanted to ride with Joe and Melissa. Obviously. On the way there, Joe talks about how over Jennifer he is because she's attacked Melissa twice. And he hangs on to the fact that Jennifer must be sexually frustrated, that surely that's the only reason that she would always be pissed off at Melissa. And Teresa's like, I like her. She makes me laugh. And Melissa's like, Teresa says that about every crazy person in her life. Then they discuss how Danielle is going to be at the shore. And, you know, the... That's a whole TBD situation. And then we arrive at Point Pleasant, New Jersey at the shore. The house is bomb. I was like, this house looks amazing. And Dolores ordered cupcakes with people's faces on them and uses the cupcakes to tell people which rooms they have, which, of course, I immediately was like, Real Housewives of New York need these cupcakes to simplify the whole bed picking process on their vacations. Um, then Margaret, Joe Bonino, and Jackie show up, and Jen is immediately like, oh, it's Jackie. Ugh. Um, Jennifer also just looked stunning in this scene. She was in this like simple white top with like minimal makeup on. And I just thought she looked gorgeous. Joe immediately, Joe Gorga immediately wants a gray goose on the rocks. Um, I made a note that I'm jealous of anyone who just happens to like skinny beverages, like vodka water, like Jake. Um, cause I would always pick wine or beer. Anyways, Dolores talks about how much she wants Frankie and Gia to date and then they talk about prenups. Bill claims that he wanted a prenup, and Jen was like, nope. And then Jackie defensively talks about how Evan signed a prenup. She's like, he signed it right away because my parents had money. We put it in a closet. We never looked at it ever since. And then Bill is like, who voluntarily signs a prenup? And then Cherise is like, I signed a prenup like the week before the wedding, and you know, Joe said he never wanted to get married. So then the whole scene sort of devolves into everyone talking about and Teresa talking about how shitty Joe Judice was to her. And Frank Catania is so cute. He gets really defensive of Teresa and he's like, I think he's an ass for saying that to you. And Teresa talks about how he had a burner phone with another girl and she thinks he fooled around on him or he fooled around on her in hindsight and that she should have left him a long time ago. But in the moment, she like rationalized everything. And then Joe asks if Joe Gorga asks if she thinks that he cheated on her. And she's like, well, yeah, now I think he did. And they show us that horrible clip of him on the phone with another woman calling Teresa his bitch wife. And then Joe's like, all I'm saying, you're looking at phones and you got to worry about that. That's not a marriage. And they all agree as a group collectively that Teresa has put her time in with Joe Judice, And it is time to move the fuck on because she deserves better. And I agree. Then everyone's getting ready for dinner, and Joe approaches Bill about his comment about the sex. And Joe's like, I was just busting your balls. I didn't mean anything by it. And Bill's like, 
Well, we can agree to have a difference of opinion sometimes. You just got to have a little bit more respect. And they squash it super quickly, like so quickly it's insane. And I just think it's hilarious that like all these women are still mad like about things that happened weeks ago. Like Melissa's still mad at Jen about throwing the plate. Jackie's still mad at Jen about her comment about her son's birthday party. Jen's mad at them for being mad at her because she thinks it's stupid. And then meanwhile, in like 0.2 seconds, Bill and Joe are like, sorry, cool, sorry, bye. Um, then Jackie FaceTimes her son Hudson, who's crying because he lost his championship. And he's like, it fucking sucks. And Jackie's like, well, you don't need to swear. I thought that was funny. Low key, I just decided this week that between the moment where he was crying on FaceTime and then he talked about his restaurant, Hudson's Cooler, where everything is served cold. I think Hudson is like low key a star. Like I kind of like Jackie's kids. I do. Everyone's heading to dinner and the guys all ride together and Joe notes what I noted, how fast the fight was resolved between him and Bill. And then Joe Benino goes, Joey, we're guys. Um, and they all laugh. Everyone eats outside at this really cute spot by the water and Teresa's in these shimmery blue pants that I found to be tasteless and jarring. I was like, Teresa, why? Like, you're so hot, but the fashion choices are just in a constant state of like chaos I loved the server who clearly doesn't watch Bravo and doesn't give a fuck about the show. Um, she was just like, what do you want to drink? Cool. And she like left in her polo. Then Joe tells the romantic tale of how he tried to find Melissa at the Jersey Shore every weekend for weeks until he finally found her. And she like wasn't into it. But now, obviously, they're in love. Dolores then brings up a spot called Temptations, a.k.a. Temps, as Joe Gorga called it. He's like, oh, yeah, we had some good times at Temps. And Teresa talks about how she beat the shit out of a girl there because her boyfriend was holding her hand. And I'm like, poor Teresa has always been treated. Teresa has always been treated on. Teresa has always been cheated on. But I'm also like, why didn't you beat the shit out of your asshole boyfriend who was cheating on you? Not this poor girl at Temptations who probably didn't even know that he had a girlfriend. Um, then... Joe makes a joke about how Teresa always believed that, you know, people weren't cheating on her and that specifically Joe wasn't cheating on her despite all the evidence. And everyone, like, shares a laugh at Teresa's expense. And she keeps it together, but I felt for her in that scene. I'm like, you guys talked about this yesterday or earlier in the day, and you're all making a joke about it. Like, not cool. They basically all talk about how – all the men talk about how at one point they were cheaters. And I was like, that's dark and, to me, not funny. And they were like, oh, wasn't me, then Melissa reveals that Danielle is going to be there that weekend. And Margaret's like, I thought I smelled something in the water. And then Melissa's like, Danielle wants to sit down and talk to me. And Margaret's just so over it. She's like, oh, she's like a fucking barnacle. And Melissa is willing to sit down and chat with Danielle. But she fully plans on just telling Danielle that she's gone too far too many times and she can't hang out with them anymore. And Melissa's like, I can't speak this week, you guys. I'm sorry. Melissa's like, to be honest, Jennifer, you're also on thin ice. I don't know if I want you around anymore. And Dolores is like, well, she's not on thin ice with me. And Melissa's still pissed about the plate throwing. And Jennifer's like, whatever. You don't want to be my friend. It's fine. And the fight doesn't really escalate. Um, Bill makes a joke about how he needs to bang Jennifer that night. And I was like, you go, Bill. Lean into the joke. Lean in. And then we return to the next morning. When Frank ate all the cupcakes, which is a mood and a vibe, and Dolores is like, I want to take those home. And Frank's like, well, sorry, I was hungry. And then Jackie FaceTimes her husband, Evan, and his plan is to arrive at the house around 12. And then Joe, oh, Joe Gorga, you know, I love Joe and Melissa Gorga, but this moment really pissed me off. He's like, 
We're here on vacation and you didn't take care of me last night. I mean, I'm sitting here with blue balls. Unbelievable. You know, I bet you even Bill got laid last night. And Melissa's like, you know, if you don't behave yourself, we're going to have a problem. Or she said something sassy. She, like, talked back to him, which I appreciate. But I'm like, Joe, go jerk off and get the fuck over it. Like, calm down. No one needs to take care of you and your blue balls. Like, Jesus. Um, Margaret then is like, um, Jennifer is, like, socially awkward. Like, I get embarrassed for her by vagina clenches. And then Dolores is talking to Frank, and she's like, you know, ever since Danielle hasn't been here, there really haven't been many problems. And I just, I love these scenes where you see all the wives talking to their men. Like, I just love, I love how in Jersey we get so much of the male perspective and these reactions to, like, these fights that they're in. I just think it's all wildly entertaining. And then Margaret's making herself breakfast, and she's like, I don't even know how to use a toaster oven. Oh, my God. And Teresa's like, morning, morning, what's up? And they all gather in the kitchen. And I just find something about a scene where a bunch of people are gathered in the kitchen to be incredibly soothing. Maybe it's because, like, I love the family stone so much. I don't know. It just, this, them all gathering in the kitchen looked fun, and I wanted to be there. Dolores reveals that they're going to Jenks that day, and she has a cabana, and Melissa wants Teresa to find a boy there, but Teresa's, like, feeling guilty for what she said yesterday about Joe. And then she talks about how she's always stressed about money and reveals that Melania said she doesn't care about money, and she just wants things to be how they used to be. And Margaret makes a comparison between Teresa and herself being like, you know, all the legal fees you're dealing with, all the legal fees I'm dealing with, if we don't have that money, then we're screwed. we got to make our money. So I understand. So Margaret's basically just like, I feel for you, Teresa, and what you must be going through and, like, the financial stress that you're under. And Jennifer's like, but you don't get what she's saying because, you know, you have Joe and she's alone, so you really don't understand what she's saying. And then Bill defends Jen, and Margaret goes, oh, well, I didn't know that Jen worked. And Jennifer, in her, in her confessional, she gets super defensive about that. And she's like, raising five kids? That's much harder than anything you do, so check that, bitch. And that was the end of the episode. So trouble is a brewing. Next week, Bill gets wasted. Jen and Margaret fight over dinner about motherhood. And then Danielle and Melissa talk, and Melissa tells her that no one wants her around. And Danielle responds to that by pursing her lips in a way that resembles a butthole. And that's how the episode ends. That was the episode. Um, I don't think a lot happened this week. It was kind of a snooze. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, why did I choose to recap this show? I had high hopes for the season. But, you know, I hope you were entertained by this episode of Brown Eyed Unicorn. I hope you enjoyed. Um, if you don't follow me already, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Hannah A. Brown. Um, also, leave the podcast a rating and a review if you would be so kind. And if you have any feedback, um, you are more than welcome to DM me at Hannah A. Brown or email me at browneyedunicorn at gmail.com. And let me know your thoughts. Also, the rebrand is in the works. I have some really exciting ideas. I have some really cool guests lined up. So get fucking pumped. And thank you all, as always, for my support. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my Patreon members. If you're interested in that, um, head to patreon.com slash browneyedunicorn. There's five bucks a month to get all the bonus episodes. So we have those going. Um, and yeah, thank you all so much for supporting me. I appreciate you all. I hope you had and are having a fantastic Valentine's Day. And we'll see you next week. Bye.